Troy Douglas is co-founder of Nexpa with friend Drew Bilb in 2011. He's Nexpa's CEO um, globally, and his favourite thing is turning creative ideas into sustainable businesses. Troy's experience as marketing executive and paralegal inspired his interest in strategic brand management. He oversees everything connected with the strategic global expansion of Nexpa and has been responsible for raising millions of dollars over the last few years. Tune in and listen to Troy's story. Uh, my name's uh, Troy Douglas. I'm a big fan of the man that I'm speaking with. So thank you for having me to have a bit of a, a yarn with yourself, Lockie. Good to have you on board. So the... um, Troy, what we like doing straight up is uh, yeah. sharing a bit of a quote. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I actually typically always share something that was instilled within myself and tribute my business partner from a guy we call the godfather of Nexpa, uh, Peter Barron. He's a absolute superstar um, in my life and he used to tell us that success is the byproduct of doing business right. But then I was actually just thinking about the word success in the context of uh, COVID and being in isolation. I think that during this time, it's kind of what is like, so, I guess, survival and I guess survival and staying together and staying connected um, will be ultimately what helps us all get through in a positive way. So let's do things right. Let's listen to what we need to do. Let's lock this down and um, hopefully we can all come through. Right. And the core to survival, you said, is it about staying connected? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. It's just it's, this, um, the quote is success is the byproduct of doing business right. So I think just the byproduct of anything, if you do things right, you're ultimately going to have a better outcome. So I think that stays true with now as well. Like these are the obviously unprecedented, really uncertain times. Um, having conversations with people all the time, which are quite um, full on and intense. So I think it's more important than ever um, that we support each other. Totally, totally. So, you know, sometimes when people hear um, doing business right, it can be quite a vague term. And, you know, doing business right, um, how do you know, like, is it a gut feeling? Is it like a code of conduct? Is it you guys living and breathing your values in Nexpa? You know, how does that, you know, how does that, what is doing business right? Like, it sounds great, but, <laughs> you know. How, I think what you've just you... touched on, I think what you've touched on is it's a, it's a mentality for how I think I like to live my life and I think ultimately all we have is ourself as our ultimate um, source of guide so I think within yourself if you are living um, to your true values I mean a business sense um, like Ray, people like Ray Dalio talked about the principles of building a business and when you learn or when you have values you get a learning each time and that sets a new principle um, and that can be what you can then define as um, doing business right because you've taken that key inside of that learning and applied it in a, in a new way. So I think that's um, that's what I kind of reference from that. So don't be a dick. Be a nice guy. Nice. And I guess, you know, you think about, you know, I love everyone to kind of hear about, um, if you don't mind giving a bit of a, um, a bit of a background story, um, you know, where's next has come from um, to the ideas back in South America to, you know, the challenges you've had over time and where we're at now. And then we'll maybe speak a little bit more specifically around this, you know, what's transpired in the last two weeks. But yeah, do you mind just giving everyone a bit of a background about the Nexpa story? No, absolutely. So uh, Nexpa is a nine years um, 
going 10 year journey. So my background is law and communications, my business partner's background, um, Drew Bilby, he's also my brother-in-law um, background is engineering. And he, um, what I guess lucky referenced in terms of um, Ida in Mexico is he was on exchange um, in a place called Rio Nexpa, where he visited a beach called Rio Nexpa. And, uh, and then we came back to Australia after spending some time there. And was, I guess, inspired by the breadth of variety in better for you and products that existed over there in comparison to Australia. Uh, and he tapped me on the shoulder. Um, personally, I've always been passionate about brands and business and the having also had some pretty powerful experiences of going to remote communities and things and seeing the impact that sugar in particular can have on people's diets. Um, I agreed that there's an opportunity to create better for you products. So we began in iced tea. We imported a little canning line as you do with knowing nothing about the industry. Um, and we went out, set up a little factory, made our first hundred thousand cans of iced tea and then started knocking on doors to try and get sales. So I think that we began in that um, better for you kind of mission and space. And it transpired to next was, I guess, vision today is to, the Australia's naturally brave brand and deliver naturally sugar-free innovations to the world. And I guess the mission and driver for us existing is we know that uh, by making naturally sugar-free products available, we can have a significant impact on removing both sugar and artificial ingredients from consumption. And then that has obviously a quantified impact on, on people's health and well-being. So today, um, Nexpa's um, in a unique, like it's weird sitting here. Um, I'm currently day seven in isolation with my beautiful husband, Blake Bowden in Bondi because he flew in from New Zealand. Um, and we're very blessed as a business because uh, what could have been seen as a significant risk to our business a few weeks ago in terms of concentration on being in key big retails like Coles and Woolworths and in the UK Sainsbury's is ironically the thing that's keeping our our, our cash flows and, and business um, in quite a strong position during this period. Um, so it's an interesting one. So now next for is um, after six years, we cracked the ability of the taste of naturally sugar-free and then we've been able to apply that into multiple products. So um, you walk down a beverage aisle, if there's stuff on the shelves in the moment and we've got soft drinks, sparkling waters, tonic waters, kombucha, I'm um, going into much more of a gut health um, space as well. So our whole thing is just making, um, we genuinely believe that every category within a market, there's no excuse for artificial sweeteners to be in those products anymore. Um, so it takes emerging young brands to be first to naturally sugar-free product alternatives within a category that can hopefully then encourage a multinational shift to creating products that are healthier for everyone. Um, so that's who we are. I love it. A ramble. Was, you should have, you should have yeah. come in. I was just rambling. <laughs> no, I love that. And I think, you know, the funny thing is obviously uh, I'm, I'm, I'm quite aware of that journey, but I think, you know, people here and how many years ago was it that you actually, you and Drew were uh, in Nexpa? Is that the name of the place? Uh, yeah, so Rio Nexpa, yeah, yeah, it was, well, um, Drew was there, I guess, 10 years ago. Ten year, um, is this your 10-year anniversary this year, 2020? Yeah, in October, it'll be our oh. um, anniversary, 7th of October. Ew, I can't wait for the party. Hopefully we're, hopefully we're still not in lockdown, but you never know. 
Exactly. So this thing that kind of um, hearing it because the iced tea that you created initially, that wasn't um, 100% sugar free, was it? Um, so what was the, you know, that tipping point where you and Drew were like, right, let's, um, let's shift to sugar free. Let's, you know, what was there like a real personal experience behind that? Um, because really, that's quite a shift in the business model previously, like real flavors of iced tea, that was unique and everything. But what was that kind of tipping point, which made you obviously invest like hundreds of thousands of dollars into developing a patented sugar free um, uh, kind of product? Um, so what was yeah. kind of they obviously had a bit, a bit of a story behind that? Yeah, I think it was a gradual progression. So Drew and I knew that we wanted to be the first brand to crack naturally sugar-free. And what we had seen in the industry is sugar got exposed um, from a, a research perspective and the impact that sugar has on people's lives. So that got um, picked up by the media and exposed. And then what we then saw in the industry was multinationals were replacing sugar with artificial ingredients. Our first products were um, sugar and stevia based. So stevia is a natural sweetener and it is in our um, proprietary blend um, today. But one thing that um, brands kept on failing on was taste and having, I think the naivety that Drew and I brought as young guys trying to crack and create a business, it meant that the one thing that we didn't want to compromise on was what we liked. So taste was critical to us. So that's why it took, gradual progression so it literally was thousands of um, flavor iterations until we cracked the ratios and the ingredients that we used that replicates that mouthfeel and taste of sugar so i think it was just a matter of we weren't willing to put something in market that um compromised taste so we took our time like coming out with the stevia um, and sugar iced tea when we began like in the beginning it was literally just lipton and this tea our first customer that we landed was 7-Eleven. They were both packed in sugar in 500 mil PET bottles and same flavours. So Drew and I came out with um, cans, unique flavours, watermelon, um, things like that, that weren't in the market. And what we then knew is um, when brands copy and there's no real differential between Lipton and ST, one brand will stay, and that was Lipton. Then ST kind of um, went away and then next we took that space. Um, and then from a, when you're in a market like um, food and beverage, it is really about um, having a unique differentiation that gets you that shelf space. And then ultimately, if your products stack up and they taste great, um, the best thing you can then drive is taste loyalty. And that's when you get loyal and advocate consumers that really believe in your product and your brand. And that's why um, Drew and I and our next team are truly blessed by the people that back and enjoy our products. They want more, so um, we're fortunately getting more space for that. Happy days. And um, so I guess, you know, leading from that, you know, point of difference to being this sugar-free option, it's then led into um, uh, you end up getting a big break into some of the major, re um, into the major retail outlets like Woolworths and Coles, yeah? So that was a yeah. big turning point for you guys. When that, was that when you came out with this patented technology, sugar-free, naturally sugar-free? Yeah, so we were already in Coles with our iced tea. Ultimately, the products we began with don't exist anymore. So when we did have the ability to be naturally sugar-free, we had a gentleman also join our, our journey and is a big part of the, the story, Steve Smythe, 
Um, he was ex-PepsiCo, came on board, and we knew that we wanted to craft those relationships with the retailers. And I guess the secret for us has always been to innovate through our relationships with retailers. Mm -hmm. um, so what we did do is when we had that naturally sugar-free capability, we thought within the market, what is the biggest category that's causing the biggest harm on a health perspective? So that's clearly soft drinks. Um, and we wanted to reinvent soft drinks and be that naturally sugar-free alternative. So that's, I guess that's what we did. And we're very fortunate that um, Coles joined and believed in that vision. Um, and we launched with those guys. And then the next innovation came through our relationships with Woolworths with Sparkling Waters. So we crafted Sparkling Waters, launched that with them. And then in terms of scaling and growth, like Next has been um, doubling year on year for the past um, four years and we're continuing to do that. Um, and that's you get when you have one customer with a product that's getting traction then you can kind of cross pollinate and that drives your volume up and allows people to greater access and one of the beautiful things I've thanks for sharing that I think um, you know these insights around how you've built this product from two guys who haven't had much experience in the industry to continually innovating with the retailers I really like that that kind of you say like co-creation saying what is it that you need that we can maybe create and work towards um i yep. think that's a really kind of rather than arrogantly kind of coming in this is the new age of products and this is the future and like that but just hearing you say that um it's really interesting because i think if a lot of people get so caught up in their own product or because they're so passionate about it i think i've always think, heard you yeah. say that yeah i think you need to be willing to like you do need to innovate or die and I think over time that you get certain products that absolutely fire and work and then that's when you need to put your energy into those but everything changes um, none of us thought kombucha would be a big category but we're now the leading ambient kombucha brand um, so I think that trends change and you need to try and be at the forefront and you need to be willing to give things a crack and then remove them if they don't work like uh, you may have heard of like Ben and Jerry's have a graveyard of products. So does Nextbar and we're a nine years business. Um, but ultimately a lot of those flavors and things, you can then bring them back and it will become quite of a exciting journey in that respect. So when you say you're like a leader in kombucha, like can you share with the crew some figures around how many kombuchas you've been since you, oh, there it is, um, since you've launched, like how, how long ago since you launched and you know, what, with the retail outlets you've got globally, like, what are the volumes? Are you able to share some of that info? Yeah, so um, kombucha is a, uh, I think the last latest stats is it's nearly 120 million retail sales category within Australia. Uh, next was become the ambient. Um, so with that space, um, there's a lot of great brands out there. I think that, um, where our opportunity and the technology that we've got by being naturally sugar-free. Um, the other technology we've got in our kombucha is um, we use bacillus coagulans, which means that our probiotic is super robust um, and survives the journey to your gut. So, um, and that allowed us to be one of the first brands to go ambient because typically you'd see um, probiotic-based products in chilled. Um, the beauty of Nexper is um, we could have the efficacy and we could actually put it in an ambient aisle. So when we had that, um, we knew we wanted to do that. Um, we then crafted with the retailers and it was next for an, another brand that um, into, I don't know, Remedy and Nextburn went into the market and we um, 
we started to build that ambient category and it, and it has taken off. So we've gone from three um, sort of SKUs when we launched in terms of glass wall packs. We've now got, I think, five or six of those flavours. We've got a one metre range. Um, we've got a new functional range as well, which is things like Tapache and Kefir, which again, um, a good gut-based products. Um, the, the whole keto next brews were um, obviously naturally sugar-free and because of that blend, when you taste our products in the kombucha space, I think why we're getting so much traction is um, we taste just like the delicious flavours that's on the bottle. So um, mm. I think that's a secret to um, part of our success. And and you've also been um, diversifying a little bit, like, you know, a few people at home right now wouldn't mind a GT. So you've also got some tonics, yeah? Yeah, it's pretty um, nuts, our tonics. I think the latest sales rate already yesterday are up 71%. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, Tonics, a product again, which is um, loved by people in gins, um, particularly in the UK, it's become a massive um, spirits drink. Um, and people don't necessarily realise, but typical t- uh, tonics have got a higher sugar content than uh, a Coca Cola, as an example. So for us, um, we're very passionate to enter that space and to bring out a great tasting tonic that is naturally sugar-free. So that's available in little cans and Coles and Woolies as well. Can you still, um, can you buy the product online direct to you guys or it's just purely through the retailers? Yeah, I think it's super fascinating, particularly in the uh, time we are now. Like the next was we built our business over nine years very traditionally. So we are in major retail chains and online has not been a big source of business for us. Um, particularly because Australia is quite behind in online. So if I was to think about um, how do we come out of this period of lockdown and isolation, what could that mean for businesses, particularly in, um, actually all businesses? I think the consumption behaviours will shift. I know that within China, when the SARS um, epidemic happened previously, um, because they actually had lockdown, there was a a direct timing change in terms of how consumers purchased and a lot of online behaviours came about, particularly for food and beverage. And Australia's never experienced what we're... the world hasn't experienced what we're experiencing right now, um, except for maybe... 100 years ago with um, Spanish blues and things like that. But the, I think what will come, what will happen is the behaviour and online purchasing and food and beverage will change. I think that clearly Australia, due to the size and the population, um, we've got some logistic challenges and there needs to be some great businesses coming through in terms of direct distribution to homes. Um, you can already see globally that Amazon's driving this space and... Um, I think for us, it's making, and this is happening live as we speak this week, I think we go, all our products are being listed on Amazon this week, um, particularly because of the nature of the time that we're in. Totally. Well, um, I guess before we start going into you, Ion, I feel like, you know, we have had our, our long yarn since only the beginning of the day here and you're the CEO of a global company, so I don't need to hold you up too much. But um, I, I still I remember to... Lucky. I still remember you coming around. I don't know if people know, but Lucky and I lived together for a period of time. And um, another mentor and, and close friend of both of ours, Adrian Condras, um, who's a superstar himself. He introduced us both, and he was like, "Can you please meet this guy from Perth? He's moving to Sydney." And I remember being like, "Yeah, 
I'm sure I will. Um, but he came over, had a beer, um, laid on a pretty thick sob story that he had no home in Sydney. And next minute, he took over my spare, spare bedroom and <laughs> the apartment I'm currently sitting in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm a hustler. I'm a hustler. <laughs> you know, I'm a true boat entrepreneur. I see opportunity. I'll jump on it, brother. <laughs> no, what what it, what it what makes me smile about this conversation we're having right now, though, is um, the reason why I let Lockie move in with me is because he pulled out a piece of paper, and we drew a life wheel in the first in our first meeting, um, and he started interrogating me in almost full goal setting. So I think for um, I knew that I could get along with with, with Lockie Cook. That's for sure. <laughs> for sure, man. Well, uh, before we get on to talking about Ion and that, is there, with the business yourself, do you see like, you know, obviously you had, you know, you do a lot of strategy planning, foresight planning with stock take and how much, you know, of the um, nutrients you need for your products and ordering them in advance and things like that. Like essentially um, how, you know, would there capital raises that you're looking at doing? Have you put them on hold? Are you still going ahead there? You know, where, what does that space look like for you? Or is it still a bit unknown? I think um, any founder of a business, it's kind of our role to, I heard someone speak about this recently. We live in a very unnatural state because you've got to be at the forefront of optimism to drive, um, I guess, the right leadership within your team. But then you've also got to be completely in the detail of, what are the worst things that could come at you and how do you ensure that you've got, you've thought through as many processes to ensure that you've got a, a cash runway, all this type of stuff that you typically need to, to manage through what could be difficult times. I don't think anyone predicted um, what we're experiencing now. I was only speaking to a friend of mine um, in the UK who's got an amazing business in the um, Emily Harvey from the collective in the UK. And, and we both, Obviously, no one expected what we're doing right now. Um, so what I think that's important in this period is more communication than ever, Get getting your leadership together and scenario planning for things that could impact you. So as you said, Lucky, for Nexpo, that would be things like manufacturing outbreak. Um, how do you handle stuff happens there? The distribution infrastructure, if there's um, any challenges there. Um, cash. There's obviously a lot of opportunities also coming from the government in terms of supporting businesses through this period. So you need your finance directors, et cetera, to be delving in and looking into that stuff, listening to as much stuff. You've actually got more time. I think me personally, I'm so used to being on a plane every single week. <laughs> like it's um, crazy to think that I'm now locked in um, and doesn't look like I'll be flying anywhere before June. I was expecting to be in the UK and between the UK and New York, um, Nextbury is in high growth. We are looking to get a serious growth capital partner to come on the next phase of the journey. We're in no rush to do that, but it, it's an interesting circumstances of events that has meant that a lot of how our interactions are now is um, via being online. I think Next was fortunate that Drew Bilby, my business partner, um, probably nine months ago was um, crafting what the best systems that we can operate within the business. We're using Microsoft Teams um, and it's about setting up those regular chats and conversations and huddles within each business unit, having the broader team stuff, still having your Friday um, drinks, so to speak, um, or happy hour 
and you have that on Microsoft team in the afternoon on Friday and everyone can connect in. Because I think... Remotely. <laughs> yeah, everyone can connect in remotely. Like we're all, everyone's, and it's intense, yeah? Like people, next was blessed to be in the industry that we're in. Um, but it, every, we know that it, people that work for us, people at home aren't so lucky, but my beautiful husband, um, book of woman in New Zealand, obviously any musical theatre and ridiculously talented artists in the world is being... Uh, they currently can't work because you physically can't go watch. So that's pretty intense and trying. So it's a matter of not appreciating that, but even within your little network, people that you, uh, in your life, there will be people within their house that currently don't have income. Um, and that causes super stresses. So it's about um, taking day by day and managing through this process together. Totally. Well, thanks for that. And I think that's a real good insight to kind of um, for a lot of business owners and people in business and, and employees even who are tuning in. You know, there's a bunch of different variables here. And I guess trying to, you know, um, stay positive in these really testing and testing times and trying to keep, as you said, that, that degree of routine, um, the sense of community with your organisation doing those Friday drinks and things like that. And I think what we might do now is we kind of get on to this personal management phase and it's your iron. Um, and yeah. obviously you've given a bit of context around iron, you and I, how, when we first met, all of a sudden I pulled out a piece of paper and we did it <laughs> and all, and you know, we did, we were strangers. And then, you know, I think our, both of our willingness to be vulnerable, um, that built connection that all of a sudden I felt like you're a brother to me over such a short period of time because we're willing we did this, we had a commitment to each other. Um, but a commitment to really, I think it really came actually thinking about that commitment to ourselves that um, we're willing to be vulnerable with people who create safe spaces for us to be vulnerable and can have that conversation. And all of a sudden that I felt really um, sped up our relationship to be best buddies, <laughs> Yeah, which is kind of cool, 100%. like actually talking it out loud now. Um, but, you know, you and Blake, obviously your lovely, beautiful husband who's in the room with you right now, <laughs> um, yeah. you shared a iron um, with me earlier today. Um, do you mind just showing the screen? Um, I think we'll talk through it more so. I'll look at it here as well um, in my screen. We've yeah, got, um, so I, yeah. It's called Dugden just for context for everyone. So that's emerging. Of, um, so Blake, a bit about Blake and myself where... Um, I'm very fortunate to have him in my life and we're part of a beautiful rainbow family. So there's two um, lovely ladies in Melbourne who are the, the mums to Blake's four biological boys. Um, Douglas just simply uh, my last name is Douglas, Blake's last name is Bowden. Um, but yeah, we created a little iron wheel just for us to check in. We did it this morning. Um, I think that it's interesting when I was reflecting on iron and knowing that we're going to have a conversation this morning. Um, I recently was listening to a podcast and talked about, um, I can't actually remember, I think it might have been Patrick Collison, um, who said that the future is already here, but it's not evenly distributed. So I think that it's amazing. Um, so much of technology has built isolation and distance within people. And I think that why I'm passionate about what, you're doing lucky is about how can we then actually use technology to bring people back together and create a, a conversation flow and connectedness uh, and that
and now to see it come together and on a wheel and then think how could within my role as a founder next bar how could i use this potentially as a tool with my team and that's where um it's about that so much of work life has previously been because of hr policies that you don't want to get involved in people's personal lives but the reality is this work is personal and it is but be part of our lives so i think that if there's a, a way to help um, ease or make the conversation smoother and for people in a more broad sense then that's a really powerful thing oh that's uh it's a powerful reflection thanks for sharing that <laughs> that's okay. um so i guess in doing that like you've shared a personal i am here um but you obviously use this um you can see using this in your organization as well um yeah, yeah. so yes yeah, so, that's something you've been doing yeah so the in especially in this period at the moment if uh i'm trying to work out what's the best way within our business to do so so I, the current thought and i'm happy to work with <laughs> work with you on this as, as well and i need to have our leadership team align on as, as well but i think that um if myself as a founder is who can be quite uh, more removed from the operational side of our australian business in particular i can almost do i am um, next with personal check-ins um, through our values um, and some of the drivers that we have in our business so next was an example five drivers of our business are availability awareness happiness um, governance and innovation so you can by the power of just a simple rating um, what it does is allows you to then ask the simpleness of um, what is it that led you to put that at eight um, or whatever and it's then just listening that you then allow somebody a safer environment to reflect and share why they did do that um, and it's that insight of listening that um, can potentially be really powerful for your business and how you can um operate with that person totally so with your one we just got a few more minutes here before we're gonna cut off because i know you've got a meeting to run off to um i'm just looking at your personal one so something that did stand out you so you so physicals up at a nine relationships at 8.7 well-being 7.3 professional 7.8 financial 7.1 spiritual 7.5 for me yeah. looking at this as your buddy you know what's shifted for you physical is generally you're like uh i guess uh, is this come as, yeah you're <laughs> like oh lucky you know the reason why you moved in with me is that you could be my personal trainer and all of a sudden he was he was meant to it was meant to turn me into an eight pack and i went to a four um but, <laughs> <laughs> that was um, better than it was before <laughs> the, um, oh, i think um uh, Blake, my partner has been on two or three and a half years where having more time together in quarantine isolation with day seven than we've ever had before but we're being quite um strict with checking with each other and doing we've downloaded different apps center included in terms of physical stuff so we're doing that daily um the reason why financial is the lowest there is mainly because um where we didn't i didn't expect to be having my partner back so like obviously him being back home has changed our structure a bit and we're just making that plan and the world of people who have airbnb properties or that type of stuff um that environment changed as well um 
but it's not a bad thing. We're incredibly fortunate in this period. Absolutely. So I'm not, but, um, and that's the thing about the life will that I also think about is, um, what it does do is in, in helps people who haven't done this type of stuff regularly, um, get more of a bit of a self-awareness and the power of reflection, which um, for some people could be confronting in you, but I think it's nobody will ever have a complete will because then they're not self-reflecting properly. Um, if they do, it means they're not truly appreciating or listening to <laughs> what's inside them. So I think that's what's important about the regularity of the, and the power of having that, um, looking at it a lot. So when have you, so looking at it consistently, that's what you're saying. So consistently checking in, do you like, what's your uh, best practice for this? Like, do you see this as a daily practice, weekly, fortnight, monthly? Does, it depends, know, does um, it... it depends like, you know, personally, like this is a personal wheel. Um, prior to, um, I, um, Blake and I have been doing monthly, um, check-ins, like financial check-ins, just life check-ins. Um, I'm a bit, I've always been a bit of a goal setter. So, um, we do that stuff on a, if it, from a work perspective, I would have thought that monthly is positive, but now given the environment, it could be worthwhile doing this stuff weekly. Um, just as a, and even just the regulator of encouraging and prompting people because you can feel, um, I think many founders of business can feel isolated all the time and that's like, and you get good feeling that way. It's, it's challenging and it's tough. Um, but I think now in this period, the concern is, are your team feeling isolated? So I think that you need to talk even more and you need to check in even more. So I would like, as an example, we would only typically have a leadership huddle once a week. We're now doing that three times a week. Um, via teams um and I, I think i um proposes a tool that you can actually um prompt a conversation when you do check in if people actually go through and and rate how the drivers are performing um then you can check in on that um in a more profound way or, or speedier way because ignore the stuff that's done and just ask the question of why something's lower right okay fantastic um, so with the last few minutes uh, that we've got here, um, yeah. is there anything kind of other uh, little insights around um, how you feel you can have an effective ion yarn? Like, you know, for me, I've always felt I can feel quite comfortable to do it with you. But and I think both of us, but like, have you thought, have there been people in your life who you'd like to do an ion with, but you've had some resistance to it for whatever reason? Um, are there any kind of tools or techniques around how you can kind of introduce it to like, for example, your team, how you, you know, um, frame it to be, um, safe for your team to give this feedback, um, and check in like this. I think now's the perfect time to be ironing with as many people as you want. Um, one personal, um, and we're all guilt. I'm definitely guilty of, of saying I'm too busy to do things. Um, the reality is, is I'm now probably got more time than I've ever had because I'm not traveling. <laughs> so, um, there's no reason to not be able to have nine IAM with someone. I think that, um, it can appear an uncomfortable thing to have a personal and vulnerable conversation. Um, I would say to everybody that if you are wanting to live a life of high growth and um, fullness, um, then 
being vulnerable is the best way to do that. And uh, like you can read many business um, books and the, some of the biggest and most successful leaders that we know are those that are, are willing to be passionate and show and be vulnerable and share what they're feeling and how they're feeling. And because that automatically, when you're sharing something that's painful or you're worried about, you automatically get a connectedness that's deeper. Um, so get eye outing, tap into your parents. It is a weird time. None of us knows that we're going to be here for six months, 12 months. Um, I hope it's, uh, I hope that the vaccine and stuff gets uh, out there soon. I'm more like, I'm just worried about industries. I and mean, I think we all need to support um, and everyone's worried about certain financial pressures, but we also do need to support those that, and still spend money um, if we can, because otherwise um, there'll be, there'll always be people doing it worse than yourself. I feel like this is a bit of a downer, Lockie. I feel like I'm, I need to be pepped up. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, mate, you got me. We'll do an eye. We, we got to check in our personal iron. We get to do that. So we'll have that. But, mate, I think we better wrap up here. Thank you so much yeah. for the check in. I think, um, no. you know, big shout out to Next. Where can people follow you? Uh, obviously, the Instagram and, and Facebook, um, LinkedIn. We're going to do Douglas. more of that. Yeah. But, um, and you can find the stuff in Coles Morris. But um, keep healthy, stay safe, and let's dominate everybody. You, <laughs> Troy Douglas, what an absolute legend. He's really come from humble beginnings and he's leading a global organisation. And through this time right now, they're actually having real challenges meeting the demand. Nexbar is a healthy alternative to soft drinks, sugar-free, naturally sugar-free. It's a painted bit of uh, technology, um, actually a product that's painted. So go go out there and have a try, maybe test the, uh, the tonic for a couple of GTs while you're bunkering at home. Enjoy and tune in to the next one coming up soon. <laughs>